0: This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbach filling in for Dave. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, we have a treat for you today. We have on the phone uh, Brett Tolman. Uh, which one of these? Are you going to take care of it, Zach? You know, I'm not good with the technology. We have on the phone uh, Brett Tolman, who is the former U.S. attorney for the state of Utah. He and I work together uh, as counsel uh, on the United States Judiciary Committee. Uh, He has an attribute envied by most and mirrored by few, and that is the ability never to age. Uh, And he is routinely seen on... on Fox News at any hour of the day, if you follow him uh, on his uh, Twitter feed, he will tell you at 5.45 a.m. I'm going to be on Fox News or at 7.30 at night, I'm going to be on Fox News. I don't think the man sleeps. So there's no aging. There's no sleeping. But there is a portrait of him in the closet aging uh, to take up all of that uh, waste. Brett, it is a pleasure to have you on the air. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Rob. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me again. Now, if I recall, you're in New York. What are you doing in New York? Is it Fox News related or are you just seeing some musicals?
1: It, it is It is Fox News related. I've been working on, uh, you know, trying to help them out, understand
0: all of this impeachment. stuff. So. Well, that's what we are going to... Um, basically uh, uh, um, suckle on the teat that is Brett Tolman and get as much information directly out of you instead of having it filtered by Fox on that very topic. Uh, So, um, first, uh, b- before we get into it, I just want to briefly mention, I just saw in the news the other day that the governorship uh, of uh, Utah is going to be open soon because the current governor apparently is not running for reelection. I have no idea who that is, by the way. That's my ignorance. And I am uh, sincerely hopeful that you will consider a run uh, for that position. Um, uh, but you don't have well, to answer right now.
1: That's nice nice of you. Uh, we just learned that John Huntsman is, has thrown his hat in the ring. So there are a couple of, um, you know, oh,
0: I know. I know of John Huntsman quite well. Yep, Let me yep. reiterate, I hope you run for governor. Okay? <laughs> you. I, I made that comment well aware of John Huntsman <laughs> running for that position. In fact, probably I make that comment more freely, uh, now that I know that John Huntsman's running for that position, well,
1: I appreciate that. I would, I would, um, I would consider um, that position. It's one of the few elected positions that I think maybe I, I, I could make a difference. Um, as you and I both know, working in the Senate, we, <laughs> we saw how tough it is to be in the in the actual Congress and try to make a difference.
0: Indeed, indeed. Although you had worked. Directly for Senator Hatch. I worked indirectly uh, for Senator Hatch. uh, And that is a man uh, who really did make a difference. He got so much done. Of course, there was a lot left on the table, as there always is. But he got so much done, it really was impressive to watch him.
1: Yeah. You know, he kind of understood what you and I long ago knew about the Senate, and that is, um, you have to figure out how to get a bill passed.
0: As yeah. as you might recall, he said to us both uh, when we were in a meeting, "I'm trying to pass a bill," uh, and we can we can fill in the details of that story at some later point. Uh, Brett, what do we need to know about this impeachment? Uh, um, uh, talk to us uh, as you would have generally talked to me when we work together, like I'm a three year old. Well,
1: you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that what's happening on the impeachment side they, you know, people are wondering, is this, you know, is this politics or is this, you know, a legitimate inquiry? And it's it's a far cry from what happened when Nixon and when Clinton were uh, going through impeachment. Uh, Here, you don't have a clamoring by both sides or an interest in both sides into sort of uncovering facts that are gravely concerning to them. And... And you you have one side that has pushed a, a narrative that seems to be shifting and adjusting to um, you know meet the uh, theories and the expectations of those that are in charge of the impeachment inquiry, and then on the other side you have folks saying you know this is this feels unfair and it feels like we're not affording uh, the president any due process and were involved in a in a political uh show or theater, and I have to tell you that you know i I think you can see that there is some accuracy to the this being a theater uh, in fact
0: it Brett you know i what I find amazing is every one of the liberal commentators uh, some of them call themselves news reporters I think they are exaggerating in what they do, but every one of them will ask a question to some Republican and say, do you think it's okay for the president to hold back funding in exchange for dirt on his opponent? And what I find remarkable about that is that is a formulation that presumes the outcome. That is, he talks about, the president talks about on that phone call for which we have the transcript... He says, I want you to look into this corruption involving Burisma and and the Bidens. By the way, nobody mentions the Burisma part, right? They only mention the Biden part. Um, And so Biden might be one of his opponents or his opponent might not be. And moreover, is there some sort of get out of jail free card that if you're running for office, then the government, Uh, And law enforcement, the president, the chief amongst the law enforcement for the federal government, is not allowed to look into your behavior because you've been exonerated in advance by running in the Democratic primary? Meaning, they say about, well, he's looking for dirt on his opponent. How about he's looking to find out? What happened involving a guy who might or might not be his opponent, but that's not what he's looking into. He's looking into this dirt, uh, this wrongdoing, this uh, potentially corrupt behavior regarding some guy who might be an opponent. Isn't Aren't those two entirely different descriptions of the events?
1: Yes, yeah, so... I have been, you know, you started this out saying that the narrative seems to suggest hey, isn't it a problem if someone, you know, is withholding aid for dirt on their political opponent? I just had that exact dialogue with a former law partner of mine who identified, who wanted me to admit that that would be a problem. And I had to come back to that's a problem. But that's not what we're actually talking about. What we're talking about is a president who is concerned about money that's gone to the Ukraine in the past, when they have been a country that has been unwilling to clean up the corruption in their country, and do we continue to send taxpayer dollars to a country that refuses to clean up its corruption issues and by the way I'm concerned I'm going into this you know this 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 next year and a half I'm concerned about the fact that we're learning that Biden's son was part of an oil company the board of an oil company where he was getting paid enormous sums of money he's getting paid the equivalent of more than what most people in this country make per year, per month, and that company has been identified as recently as two days ago by the witnesses for the Democrats that as a company that they were gravely concerned about its corruption, and it, and and so. This is this is the narrative that is, is beginning to shift, and I think that's why you also see that they're changing the story from a quid pro quo to, oh, hey, it's bribery, because they're scrambling to find something that is going to compel the American public to say, hey, I'm really concerned about what this president is doing. But nobody's talking about what the actual dialogue and discussion was on that phone call.
0: Indeed. What you, you therefore bring us to sort of the next related discussion? I think of this transcript. Incidentally, we're going to go to break in about a minute. I hope I can hold you over to the next segment. When do you have to get off the line, Brett? Sure. Um, no, I've, I've got a few minutes. Good. Good. So um, the 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 transcript shows that the president is asking about this potential corruption and all I hear from the left and this was well embodied by um, Anderson Cooper we saw this and it was there was a meme about it right where he again presumed the answer in his question he said well that's a discredited theory about corruption wrongdoing etc involving be it Ukraine uh, Biden and or Burisma and again my response to that is A you don't know that and B here's the thing What happens if the president's wrong? He's asking for an investigation. He didn't say, I want a determination of wrongdoing. He says, I want an investigation into something that I heard about. Maybe the president got bad advice. Maybe it turns out there is no corruption. I'm suspicious, mind you. But maybe, for the sake of argument, that there is no corruption. Is he not allowed to ask about that? Is that somehow improper? He didn't say, I want you to string this guy up. I want you to make up lies on this guy. He said, I want you... To look into this issue. He's the chief law enforcement officer in America. Think about that, and we'll come back after break. On the air, Zach. I'm as professional as a as a one arm basketball player. Uh, in any event, this is a Dave Elsrick show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave Ellswick. We are here with Hannah Webb Howard and uh, soon to be Senator Dan Sullivan, and we have on the phone a former United States Attorney for the State of Utah, Brett Tolman. Brett, what's the next thing that we need to know, or should we just be tuning out? This whole impeachment nonsense in the first place, as you pointed out before the break, the Democrats are bobbing and weaving to try to keep themselves relevant. They, in my mind, haven't been very successful. Maybe they're ginning up their base. Maybe there's some strategy there that I'm not aware of. What should we be paying attention to?
1: Well, I think we need to pay attention to who the Democrats are going to allow the Republicans to have as witnesses. They've requested Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. They've requested the uh, whistleblower. They've requested that um, a few additional witnesses that uh, so far we've not heard whether or not the Democrats are going to let them have the witnesses. Um, you saw today; it was rather uh, eye-opening to me, and, and Rob, you probably have a perspective on this that's that's as valid as mine. But you know, we went through a lot of hearings in the Senate and, and watched how both sides, even when they disagree, they work work through uh, tough sentences or tough uh, hearings. And here we had um, we had an instance in which uh, the chairman, Adam Schiff, uh, refused to allow Nunez to the ranking member to uh, yield his time to another member of Congress. It's unheard of. and shut. It's unheard of. And shut down that and, and indicated that he could either ask questions himself or he could yield to the unelected staff attorney, but could not yield to another Republican elected member of Congress. I mean, that just smacks uh, uh, of... Of uh, unnecessary rules uh, and of protectionism
0: and. Well, it, and it's it, make believe. It's, it's entirely yes. make believe. I, I, I saw it today, just, I caught a clip of it where. Trump had said something not nice about that ambassador, and I'm not saying he, that I necessarily agree every time he says something not nice about somebody, but he said something not nice about this ambassador. By the way, he's entitled to his opinion. Even if you think his opinion is wrong, he's entitled to his opinion, and he's entitled to share that opinion. So this woman is testifying, testifying as we speak, or, uh, um, or at the, as, as the tweet is coming out before Congress, and... Schiff interrupts the proceedings to read the tweet and then to uh, warn that it is trying to intimidate the witness from testifying while she's testifying. How do you intimidate a witness not to testify while they're in the middle of testifying and are unaware of the tweet?
1: Yes. And, you know, if you read the tweet, they're making a big deal that it was intimidating. It points out that he didn't he doesn't believe she was good at what she did. She he doesn't believe that the president of Ukraine had had much respect for her. Um, She's no longer in her position. And I've seen intimidation of witnesses. We've we've heard and read about, you know, prosecuting the mob and what they've done uh, in, in This is not that. This is looking for every opportunity to to add to their narrative because they're worried their narrative might not be enough.
0: Well, indeed, you know that it's you've characterized it uh, so well because it's oh, you're wearing a blue tie. That's intimidating. It's sort of – before you came on the air, I was talking with uh, one of the folks here in the studio, Hannah, and we were talking about how the leftists, if they don't like what you have to say, you're a racist or a misogynist or any other is that you can come up with at the moment. Phobe gets thrown in there every once in a while, but they're all the same. And so it's the same kind of variant of this leftist philosophy, which is if you do something that we don't like, we've got a word for that – Regardless of whether that word relates at all to what you're doing, so uh, you're saying you're doing something we don't like. Uh, that's intimidation. You, you're doing something we don't like. Uh, that's impeachable. Well, what I did was say that I don't like Schiff. That's impeachable. It's just yes. You, you have
1: Northwestern University that has, a, you know, is going to have conservatives come and and give speeches or to you know address. Uh, a group of people on their university. They have protesters that are disrupting to the point that they aren't allowed to carry on. So they do what anybody would do, and they take care of the protesters. Only later to apologize that they may have traumatized the protesters. Oh,
0: traumatized! I mean, we're living in an
1: age where, yeah, we're living in an age where we are not. Um, we're more worried about the reaction and the emotions of those around us. Than we are about
0: the substance. Well, you heard, you're exactly right, Brett. You heard about, I forget, it might have been my alma mater, pen, but I can't recall now. One school, uh, the the was, the school newspaper was lambasted for calling ICE to get an opinion, or calling Homeland Security to get a. How dare you call them? They're a bunch of Nazis!
1: Yeah. A bunch of Nazis! Yeah, that's right, that- that was Harvard. and it was at Harvard. They, uh, yeah, they asked, they, they asked them for um, a comment on, a, on an article they were doing and just asking ICE to comment, and ICE refused to make a comment. They were mad that they reached out to ICE and said that that was a that was inappropriate and making a you know sending a message that could traumatize those and put those that you know are concerned about ICE in jeopardy. Here's my that's question: That's the age we're living in.
0: That's right, Brett. Brett, I'm constantly traumatized by having to listen to the whining of the left, watching them hug trees and eat granola. Can I therefore <laughs> foreclose them from doing all three of those things? You would need the media. Yeah, I need the media behind me, and I don't have it. That's why I'm on radio. I'm going to do my own media. It's right. It, it, did you hear about uh, uh, Ben Shapiro went out to I think Stanford uh, to speak, yes. and they I think they quite literally called him a Nazi, right? The, the the religious Jew we have who wears a, a yarmulke,
1: American who wears a yarmulke, right? Who, who doesn't work on the a Sabbath, conservative.
0: Yeah, that's right. Right,
1: and who's been critical of conservatives and liberals both. That's right. He, he you know very true to you know academic principles. That's right. And they're accusing him of being a Nazi. Nazi. Nazi, and they accuse they accuse Candace Owens Owens uh, uh, as being racist.
0: Yeah, who incidentally, for those that don't know, is a black woman. Racist! Yeah. Nazi! This, is, the, this yeah. is what we're living in. <laughs> yeah, I was just down at my local uh, KKK meeting um, when, when I walked in wearing my Jewish star. And you know what they told me? They said, you can come in, but you've got to take the Jewish star off. It, send the letters to Zach, folks. Right, directly to Zach at 101.1 The Answer. Um, it's just so ridiculous, you know, that, that they— it's the knee jerk reaction of the left. If we disagree, if, yeah, if we, the left, disagree with you, you must be an IST, right? You're a racist. What concerns me, and what concerns me, Rob, is they're willing to
1: sacrifice um, important rights that are granted us under the Bill of Rights, like the First Amendment. They're willing to sacrifice those if they if they stand between them and their beliefs and positions. That's right. And now, it's, I'm here to tell you, yeah. I don't hear conservatives saying, oh, I, you know, I'm going to shut you down using violence or I'm going to shut you down, uh, you know, protesting if I disagree with what you have to say. But I do hear that from the left.
0: That's exactly right. And the real tragedy of it all is the left is deserving of credit for being at the vanguard of the First Amendment in the 60s. They were the, Absolutely. They were the ones that brought about the protections of the First Amendment, not conservatives. Conservatives yes. were on the wrong side of that argument. But you know what? You know what? That's over half a century ago, and they've yes. lost it. They've given it up. And the conservatives are now the protectors of the freedom of, of speech, as well as the rest of the Constitution.
1: Yes. And you and I both know, even even as recently as you know, 15, 20 years ago, when we were in the Senate, um, both sides still seem to adhere to those, you know, the, the respect of those very important basic tenets of our you know, republic. But it's not that way anymore. It does not feel that
0: way. That's exactly right. We worked, as you know, we worked on a, a several large bills that became laws, uh, and we worked closely with other Republicans, and we worked closely with Democrats, and we got into disagreements. We got into uh, um, uh, slight arguments. I think that's when you characterized me as the professor before I was even becoming a professor. And, <laughs> that's right. Uh, right? Do you recall that? Uh, and so— yep. um, Uh, But we got it done also, Uh, and that was the beauty. Uh, And look, uh, I'm not saying that um, some of the intransigence uh, can't be um, attributed to some – at times uh, what conservatives do, but I've got to be honest with you. In today's um, uh, government, federal government, in Congress – uh, it's the left that's stopping us from doing something. Explain this to me, Brett. Uh, you know what? I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. Can I keep you on for one more sec- segment? Do you have time? Yeah. Good. Um, sure. So um, uh, it, I want you to think about this question. If Trump, as a builder who says he wants to do a big infrastructure bill, which is sounds a lot like a Democratic idea, right? The Democrats have talked about infrastructure for years, and he can't get it done, not because he doesn't want to do it, not because he can't line up at least some Republicans to back him, but because the, the Democrats, rather, are unwilling to work with him at all. Think about that. We're going to take a break, and I'm going to bring you back for a final segment. This is a Dave Ellsworth show. I am Robert Steinbeck, filling in for Dave. Unfortunately, Dave is still out sick, and we wish him our very best. We have Brett Tolman on for about another nine minutes. Brett Tolman is the former U.S. Attorney for the state of Utah, a good conservative who is uh, going to be running for governor of Utah. Oh, no, did I get ahead of that, uh, Brett? Well, we'll deal with that later. So, um, uh, uh, Hannah, who is in uh, the studio with me, along with a state representative, Dan Sullivan, who will soon to be a state senator, as far as I'm concerned, and i I'm a big supporter of uh, here in the state of Arkansas. Hannah was in my is in my class, and she reminded me during the break that I talked about Scalia and I pointed out that Scalia made a very um, what you would call progressive opinion uh, when he revamped uh, the Confrontation Clause. And as a practicing criminal attorney, uh, you, uh, you might uh, very, you are very well familiar with that. And where now we have to look, uh, when introducing hearsay evidence, whether a defendant's Sixth Amendment rights are being violated. So that's a lot of detail for an audience that doesn't need quite that much detail. But the point I'm trying to bring out and what I want to hand over to you, for the last few remaining minutes, is Scalia was undoubtedly a solid conservative. But he was also, and these are not inconsistent, so but might not be the right term, and also a firm believer in the Constitution. And the outcome was whatever the Constitution dictated. And if he didn't like the political outcome, but that's the outcome that the Constitution dictated, well, so be it. In other words, uh, for the um, well-known case, Hannah, what was the name of the case that uh, changed all that? You're not with me, huh? Yes, that's the Crawford case. So in any event, uh, so the Crawford case was written by Scalia. And basically, he lets a guy go, because he reverses the case, who seemingly had done some really bad things and probably uh, um, should go to jail. But not if his constitutional rights are violated. And... I don't see the left doing any of this, Brett. I see the left entirely motivated by the outcome, and they view the Constitution like a mirror. They put up the Constitution, and they say, what makes me feel good? What makes me look good? That's what the Constitution is. That's no Constitution. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I I have been really... Um interested to see how the left would respond to the notion that there needs to be a fair process, due process, which is a fundamental underpinning underpinning of the Constitution, even to the president when it comes to this impeachment. Now, they have have fallen on their sword that the president isn't entitled to really due process because this isn't a criminal case. But I beg to differ. I think that when you need due process and fairness the most is when there might be the greatest susceptibility to the appearance of unfairness Mm -hmm. if the if the president doesn't have the ability to have his lawyers ask questions doesn't have the ability or seems to be you know the democrats seem to be and the left seem to be suggesting that if the president has evidence of his innocence that he should bring that i mean think about all the language that they're using it is it is to deny the president this is a trial. it is the trial in, the, in court in the Court of public opinion. They want to deny him the ability to put forth the best defense that he possibly could as well as a presumption of innocence that we, we grant others. Make no mistake. This is a criminal trial that has the ultimate penalty for a pre- sitting
0: president. Indeed, the the, the the investigation is whether he committed high crimes or misdemeanors. How do you not call that a criminal proceeding? That's right. That's right. The Constitution anticipated that
1: they would give one body authority to come in and to put the president of the United States on trial. I mean, as remarkable as that is, you know, in other times we'd have a discussion about how amazing that is that we have something even in place for that. But it is the only mechanism with which we as a people can be assured that it's not politics that's driving it, it's not the whim of a few that's driving it, but that they would afford him the ability to not just defend himself, not just be represented, but also to have the same presumption of innocence that any defendant has, because this is his, the ultimate criminal trial for a pre- sitting president.
0: But of course, doesn't it uh, look? We're in some respects dancing around the obvious, which is they are not concerned with either process or outcome. They're concerned with the show that they're putting on, right? And it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. They they want to dance around the basketball court uh, against a team that doesn't know how to handle a ball or is not permitted to handle the ball so that they can look like experts when it's all theater just like the Harlem Globetrotters were.
1: That's right. They were denied their candidate winning. That infuriated them, and they had to deal with it. They had only themselves to really blame for it, but what did they do? In response to the fact, in their mind, Hillary Clinton should have been president, they have responded with impeachment from 2016, discussion of impeachment. They responded with Russia collusion. They responded with, Um, You you know, the (laughs) the scandals that they attacked the president with, they responded with impeachment based on quid pro quo, then they shifted to now it's bribery. What it tells you is they don't they don't necessarily have a clear path to get what they want. And so they have to make the game unfair so that they can ensure that they win.
0: But, Brett, you seem to not have gotten the memo. I saw Hillary Clinton on television recently. She said she won you didn't know that she won she's <laughs> yeah. sitting in the White House right now
1: otherwise this, rob they had they had
0: they had over two
1: years and an unlimited budget to investigate based on the Russian collusion conspiracy theories and they could not come up with a basis. You know, the, <laughs> to begin an impeachment. You're exactly alone. right.
0: So that failed, <laughs> and then they start scrambling. You know, and it's like the kids that go out on Halloween and they've uh, they they gave away all their good candy, and all they got left is the candy corn at the bottom of the bag that's unwrapped. And they're like, "Well, I guess we got to do an impeachment on this one because we ain't got nothing left." <laughs> I couldn't come up with a
1: better analogy.
0: Well, uh, you certainly couldn't come up with a more odd analogy, I'll grant you that. Uh so um look what what are your plans? We've got about 2 minutes left before I'm going to let you go. Uh what are your plans? You're you're practicing law right in Utah right now. What's the name of your firm?
1: Yep, the Tolman Group, and Terrific. we are focused on policy. You know, I, um, I spent enough time in the Senate to know that I didn't actually want to hold, pub- I didn't want to run for Congress. Uh, right. I didn't want to put my family through that or myself. Um, but I do want to still be a voice, hopefully, that can be heard. And, uh, like you, I, I think that, the conservative voice is going to be attacked um, like like no other voice going forward. And if we if we don't say anything, if we don't try to weigh in or make a difference, um, then
0: we all lose. Absolutely. Well, Brett, it is always a pleasure and an honor to have you on when I'm guest hosting for Dave. Uh, Your views are not only correct, uh, but they're well informed and they're well spoken uh, and uh, you uh, serve uh, the public well. Uh, And hopefully you will uh, continue to serve the public well as part of the Tolman Group. And if I have my way, you will also uh, serve the public well as governor of Utah or uh, another similarly situated uh, position uh, because you have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience uh, and a good heart and a good mind. And that is a rare combination in politics these days. So thanks again. And we're going to go to a break.